But I want to tell you a story about, about these. Uh, these are my new glasses. I've had them just a couple of weeks. Um, first time I've ever had glasses. I became a grandfather and a glasses wearer in the same week. Um, but I want to tell you a story about these glasses. Um, I realized at some point this week, I don't remember when, Monday or Tuesday, that I didn't have them. And if you know me very well, you know I lose things very frequently. And one of the things we've talked about with these glasses, my wife and I, is that, you know, at some point I'm going to lose them, I'm going to be really sad, because if you've, you have glasses, they're typically not very cheap, right? Um, and so I didn't know where these glasses were, starting a, sometime around Tuesday evening. It dawned on me that I didn't know where my glasses were. The next day, Jen asked me, where are your glasses? And I said, they're, I left them at the office, um, which was a convenient way for me to postpone this time where she would say, I told you you were going to lose your glasses. Um, so put, put that over here for a second. Let me tell you a, a little story. Um, you guys have heard me teach before that the, the Hebrew word azer is the Hebrew word help. And every time in Scripture, it's, ref- it's referring to God as our azer, our helper. One time, it doesn't a- a- attach itself to God. It a- attaches itself to Eve. When God makes Eve for Adam, he calls her, her, he calls her his azer. Every other time in Scripture, azer refers to God. This one time, it refers to the wife of Adam. Right? So my wife has uh, kind of become intensely connected with this word azer, and we go back and forth. You are my azer, all right? So those two things together combine to my wife walks in this morning, and I still, like, I don't know where my glasses are. I don't know where they are at 10 minutes till 10 this morning. I think, I'm hoping that they are at the office. I'll find out tomorrow when I get there if they're at the office, and I was pretty confident that they were, but I wasn't really sure. So, Jen, my azer, my God sent help to this planet. And, you know, this is kind of a silly story about a forgetful guy who loses his glasses. But, but don't let the silliness of that distract you from what I'm about to say. My God sent help, my azer, brought something to me that I didn't, I knew that I had lost, but I wasn't sure where it was and wasn't sure how I was going to get it back. My God sent Azer came and handed these to me this morning. This is the picture of hope that God wants to bring to you. There are things in your life that you are lacking and you may or may not have lost them. You may or may not know where they're going you don't know, but your Azer, your God, is finding what you need and giving it to you. This is the definition. Like, I didn't even know they were gone. I had no idea where they were. And I had no idea that, that my wife knew where they were. She didn't know where they were. But she brought them, it's like bringing them to me. It's a... It's a picture of hope. Um, hope in the New Testament is a Greek word, elpis, and it means joyful 
and confident expectation. Hope means joyful and confident expectation. For me, there is a distraction in hope because I was hoping that my glasses were, in fact, on my desk in my office. They, they weren't there, so I could have all the expectation I want, but when I got to my desk tomorrow, they weren't going to be there because they were in a duffel bag. Uh, but hope, as it applies to Jesus, is a joyful and confident expectation. And this is what I, I need for us. And like this week, this message has ministered to my soul in a great way, and I hope that it does for each of us today. Because hope is a powerful, powerful tool in the hands of your azer. I, I need us to, to connect with the, the depth of the weapon, the tool, the, the useful thing that it is in our lives. Today, we're celebrating Advent. We have a Christmas tree, we have garland, we have stars, we have candles. We're celebrating Jesus coming to this earth and what he brings, one of the many things that he brings with him as a gift for us is hope. And not the kind of hope that I'm going to find my glasses, but the kind of hope that is rest assured it's going to happen. It will happen. Just like Hannah Grace read earlier, at the time of Jesus' birth, the prophets, the voice of God, had been silent to God's people for 400 years. Been in great oppression for 400 years. I'm whiny about what's happening in our city for a stinking couple of months. 400 years. But God breaks into this world with his son Jesus and coming with him is this Elpis hope, a powerful weapon. Jesus breaking into a dark world filled with pain and suffering and oppression with hope. Hope in its very nature is looking forward. A hopeful one is someone who is confident in what's going to happen more than he is upset or distracted or anxious about the events of today. Let me say that again. A hopeful person, a person who owns hope, is someone who's confident about what's going to happen tomorrow more than he is about the anxiety of what's present in his life today. And it's a gift that Jesus came to bring to us. Best illustration I've ever heard about uh, hope is this. Um, I used to be a huge fan of the, the show 24. You remember? Like they tried to bring it back. I, I think it was kind of lame like it, this past year. But back in the, at the beginning, it was, it was fantastic. And in season two, this is what happens. Um, there is uh, this bomb that's going to go off and cause this massive amount of radiation for this widespread area. And what the government decides to do is they're going to put this, this bomb on a plane. They can't stop the bomb from going off somehow. It's, it was 24. They're all kind of taking leaps with reality. But they're going to get this, this bomb on a plane and fly it out into the desert, crash the plane, explode the bomb, where there's going to be very little human interaction with the 
contamination from this bomb. You follow me? All right. So Jack Bauer, the star, Kiefer Sutherland, is the guy who's going to fly the plane and crash it into the desert. And he's literally in the air, in the plane. It's going to happen. And like the day that that episode ends and you're like, what's going to happen? How Jack Bauer's going to die? But then I remember reading a entertainment blog the day before that says Jack Bauer or Kiefer Sutherland has just signed off for another five seasons of 24. So, okay, so they're they're not going to pay him like $500,000 an episode for five years for his character to be dead, for him to not show. So he's got to be, he's got to be on the show for another five years. So he can't die. He, he, he literally cannot die. And this is the picture. Are you like, I feel like I'm just standing up here talking and nobody's paying attention. Nobody's connecting with the depth. Like this is, this is the picture of hope. Like whatever circumstance looks like in this moment, Jack's not going to die. And we bring that to, to our situation. Whatever circumstances look like today, Hope is not going to die. You might not know how the glasses are going to get back on your face. But they will. Your azer is coming for you. Luke 8, Luke 2, 8 through 21. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. You guys have all heard the story before many times. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with fear. An angel has broken into their world, and an angel is this messenger from God speaking the truth into their lives. And the angel said to them, Fear not. By the way, do you know what the most frequent command in all of scripture is you just read it fear not don't be afraid and if we truly own hope and and that's been my prayer this week that we would own as a possession hope if we truly own hope that we know what's going to happen how do we how are we afraid and can i like wrestling with, with how to interject this into the sermon and whether or not to, but I'm just, um, I have, especially last night, was very lacking in hope um, because there's a stinking helicopter over my house every stinking night, and it's driving me crazy. And I can't fathom what's going to, how something, what, what the end of this is going to be. I, it is, it, like, there is no hope. In, in my brain, there is no hope for our city. And, and that's where, like, I know intellectually, and I know sometime in 2037, there's hope for our city. But today... Last night, as I'm going to bed with 
my, my kids tucked away and my wife next to me and, and my computer on my lap following streams and all scanners and nonsense and all of this. It, there is, in that moment, hope is, is far, far away. And I don't want to stand up here with a microphone and proclaim to you that hope is something that I own all the time. It's not. And this message has to speak to us in those moments. Because what, what good is, is hope if it's only for 30 years from now? It's only for eternity. What good is hope if it's not ministering to you in this moment? But the truth is, and this is something that we have to learn to preach to ourselves and live in community, have people preach to us. That there is never a moment outside of the sovereign hand of our God. And he's ministering hope to us continually, even when the pastor doesn't believe it. Hope. We're not, we're not even yet to the good part. The angel says, fear not. Oh, how I wish an angel would break into my bedroom and proclaim, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And again, remember, this is not some, like, we want to we put the shepherds in the middle of some green, wonderful pasture, and everybody's happy and big smiles on everybody's face. The people of God were being oppressed for 400 years, and God was silent to them. But this angel breaks in and tells him, don't be afraid, because I've got great news of great joy. And verse 11 is the substance of our hope. Let me say that again. Verse 11 is the substance of our hope. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That has become a, a Christmas carol more than it has become a truth that ministers to our heart. To you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Savior and Christ the are huge words that are wonderful for, for us to write as lyrics in our Christmas carols, but they're bigger than that. Jesus is called Savior. Savior here literally means the one who rescues from danger. So the angels break in and says, for you today is born someone who will rescue you from the danger that you're presently residing in. Jesus, as a baby, is the one who rescues you from danger. Hope is coming. He is also here called Christ the Lord. And Christ is a big word. It's a title given to someone who is the long-awaited, anointed one of God. From the beginning of time, God planned it out that Jesus would be the one to come back to this world and be the Christ, the long-anointed one to bring us back into relationship with God. Here he is as a baby he is hope. There's a song called the C.S. Lewis song. Back in the day, uh, 
written by a, a lady named Brooke Fraser. She writes this song, this lyric. Speak to me in the light of the dawn. Mercy comes with the morning. I will sigh with all creation grown as I wait for hope to come for me. Hope is coming for me. All of that build up. And listen to the song. It's the C.S. Lewis song by Book Fraser. Check it out on Spotify or whatever, or buy it, whatever. But it, the, the idea is hope is coming for me. Like I can't, I, my mom, I heard the song for the first time a couple of years ago and I can't get past that line. Hope is coming for you. Hope is coming for you. You ever waited on someone to come and pick you up from an event like you're waiting and when you were a kid, maybe your parents came and picked you up from someplace? Hope, very similarly, is coming for you. It's so big. Flip over to Romans chapter 4. We're going to end there. A wonderful story filled with deep theology that we're going to try and get through quickly. This is Paul teaching about Abraham and his hope. Romans chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 13. And bear with me, there's some deep, confusing Paul language here. uh, But the payoff is fantastic, so let's... uh, Let's work through it. Verse 13, Romans chapter 4. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. God had promised Abraham, by the way, that from his offspring would be the one who would save the world. The Redeemer would come. The Christ would come through Abraham's offspring. That's the promise that verse 13 is talking about. Here comes confusion. Verse 14. For if by adherence to the law who are... To be errors, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but there is no law that there's no no law. There is no transgression. Verse sixteen. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on the grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the inheritor of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Whole lot of stuff to say God promised Abraham that from his offspring would come the Christ and would build a mini nation, a, a large nation. Verse 18, here comes the, the payoff coming. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. There was a confident and joyful expectation about Abraham that one day God would make good on his promise. He did not weaken in his faith. And I want you to see how, how faith and hope are so inextricably intertwined. Faith, hope is dependent upon faith. Hope is the active ingredient in faith. Hope is what we have when our faith is secure. Abraham is a faithful man, trusting God. And the result of that faith is this tangible product that Abraham holds 
confidently expecting God to come through for him. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Like, can, can we get beyond the understanding that we have of this verse and, and see the miracle? Hundred-year-old people, hundred-year-old barren people don't have children. Hundred-year-old barren people that cannot have children are not hopeful that a promise is going to come through. Can we think of something darker, more hopeless than 200-year-old barren people having a child from which the Christ would be born. Verse 20. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. I, I look at myself and I... And I, I, I weep for my lack. At a hundred years old with a barren wife, Abraham continued to hope. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. This is baffling. Not only did his faith and his hope not weaken, they were heightened. That's just silly. Verse 21 is the payoff. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Fully convinced that God was able to come through on his promise. This is the definition of hope. And wherever you think you find yourself... It's not as dark as those shepherds. It's not as dark as this Abraham. God has promised hope for you. And the beautiful thing about the Advent season, and it's a shame that it's 65 degrees outside today, because it kind of disconnects our spirit from that. But the beautiful thing about the Advent season is... We remind ourselves that hope is coming for us. And, and we are, I think all of that stuff about me and my lack of hope and being worried and anxious and tired and just angst-filled is proving to me That I'm a man in need of the gospel. I'm a man in need of hope to come. 
hope to come in not in an intangible way, but, but a sort of way that I can, I can hold and, and touch and feel that I have a God who is my help, who has brought to me a wife, who brings me silly things like glasses to show me he's in control and he's got this. Even when I don't even realize I have a lack He is orchestrating events to provide. Hope is coming for you. Hope is a powerful tool in the hands of a powerful God. And he wants to give it to you. And he proved it when he sent his son Jesus to you. Let's pray. God, I thank you. For the gift of hope. I thank you for a yearly season that you give to us. To remember that you, our help, sent your son to break into this dark angst-ridden world to an oppressed people to bring to us hope. God, I pray that you would connect our hearts with your hope. Please, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of hope. God, would you administer a very real, very front of our minds understanding of hope this season. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.